starting in three, two, one. Hey, I'm Akko. And I'm Marcy. And welcome to the Colored Pages Book Club. That's right. It's that bi-weekly podcast that mm. focuses on fiction, fantasy, yes. and yes. magical realism written by writers Absolutely. from <laughs> colorful backgrounds. Oh, lovely. Yes. Colorful backgrounds in. Indeed. And today we will be finishing, we are thrilled to be finishing, That's I should true. say, the second half of A Master of Gin by Pajeli Clark. Yes. Ah, great book full of twists, turns, show. reveals, betrayals. Oh my. It's, it's, just, it's just so good. It's just, I mean, it's I don't want to you know, reveal too much too early, but oh my God. Right. Live, live for this book. It was so good. Also, our predictions were. I like was reading it and I was mm-hmm. impressed with us. We high key were correct about a lot of things. So we did that. Mm, like we, it, it, we we won't say too much so that you all can be along for the ride as well. But we were we were on top of it. So if you remember what, what our predictions were, you'll be like, damn, this <laughs> might be the f- first time that they were actually no, this time before we were like right on it. But like, I yeah, I think, but I don't think there's a, been a time that we were this correct. Especially especially when I was listening to the episode again, it was such a throwaway line. We're like, oh, maybe this is the case. And then we like plot for plot. <laughs> <point out. laughs> like, did we write the book? Like, <laughs> honestly? <laughs> Shit. Oh, honestly. I, I, actually, Hako and Marcy were in the editor's room being like, look, today we got some. <laughs> this is interesting, but we have our own point. Anyway, speaking of things that are not true or accurate, basically a fanfic of true and actual events i have a question uh yes what is your question friend okay so in this book main character fatima she's given the seal of solomon which basically allows Mm -hmm. you to rule the nine rulers of the jinn and those rulers mm-hmm. have historically enslaved the jinn and forced them to serve them in their conquests for war and glory. And it looks like a ring. <laughs> Apparently, if you're yeah. like not vibrating high enough, it looks like a ring, basically, is what they told me. <laughs> you're like a low vibration type of bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the question is, if you happened to have this ring in your possession, if you come upon this ring, what mm-hmm. do you think is the most ethical choice? Oh, so between like using the ring or being like, oh, wow, that's the ring of Solomon. Um, And then just continuing to walk down the street, like drinking my milkshake, like ignoring it completely. Like, it, it, like is that? Yeah, that's an <laughs> kind option. Of the... You have any, okay. any option is an option. But what is the ethical option? <sighs> Might be more than one. This is interesting. Okay. I love this question. So the thing is... The nine lords are just like they just have their own objectives. Mm. My fear is that, and this for reasons we'll get into, is that if I'm like, you know what, the world is full of calamity and injustice, I'm going to bring about the nine lords to like help in the struggle to make shit actually equitable. I feel like they they would just like go rogue and like become their Mm. own superpower in themselves that we would then be just kind of like fully ill equipped to handle. So I'm like, 
Like, do they have office hours? Like, maybe don't fully <laughs> unleash them, but like, I can just talk to them for a little bit. Be like, okay, girls, this is like kind of the landscape going on on Earth, and they're like this tiny ass. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know this tiny ass planet, but like, what are your thoughts? Like, how can we like make shit better? Like, I don't know, maybe do like a Zoom call with them um, would be helpful. Personally, okay, so hmm, I so I I'm more of the camp of like not unleashing them. But then I fear that if I don't take the ring, that someone else would take the ring and then use it. And so then I'm like, okay, well, should I just hide it? And then I'm like, well, if I hide it, if I was able to conceptualize a hiding place, wouldn't ostensibly another human being be able to mm. figure out that same hiding place, you know? So it's kind of like a question of like, do I just keep it on me and just like carry it around like my keys, but don't <laughs> use it? But if you keep it on you, then is there no possibility of you being overpowered and someone taking it? This is true. That could happen. Because we all think, like, you're like, oh, I should just keep it. And you're like, I mean, I have lost credit cards, keys, honestly, Listen. multiple college IDs. <laughs> so, <laughs> but see, it's, it's like, I can't be out here like, I lost, damn, I lost the Ring of Solomon. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, you cannot just lose that Can you shit. imagine? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, child, I went to the club last night and I lost my damn keys and the Ring of Solomon, girl. Honestly, if fire erupts from the sky in three days, <laughs> like, y'all know what happened. It's my bad. Like- Honestly, my bad. Really shouldn't have been upside down at the club. Like, truly poor decision making. But also, why? Like, could you imagine if someone was like at the club with the Ring of Solomon? Like, not even me, but like, <laughs> I was just at the club and I just knew that the Ring of Solomon was, was somewhere like, right? Like, just uh, was it like in, in somebody's drink or some shit? Like, anyway, I'm like, wow, my God. Can Anywho. you imagine you, you literally are just, I don't know, like, dancing to Drake and you like step on something you look down and it's the seal of Solomon on the ground you pick it up and you're like wait do I now have nearly infinite powers right. I just came here for a good time right like I didn't come for like the fate of humanity in my hands like I honestly just came for like some good vibes like you know right. I've been in the house for a long time right it's been a um, long two years so and... oh my god I just I don't know a part of me feels like I <sighs> shit it's a hard question. I don't know. I Because you're right, because I could easily get overpowered or maybe like lose it or like, you know, whatever ha- might happen. So I'm like, maybe I would hide it, but I would just be like, do like a whole, like a like a really elaborate locking mechanic. Like maybe have like a bunch of like safes around it or like a bunch of shit, like, mm. like a bunch of codes to getting to it that only I know. Mm. And I would have to be, con- and honestly, I probably wouldn't even write them down. Like I would just like keep them in my brain and just like commit them to memory and be like, look, Marcy, you need to remember the, these next 20 digits for the rest of your life because honestly, <laughs> bitch, like the, the fate is in your hand. Um, yeah, I think I would seal it away behind some kind of locking mechanism, like OD, like 10 to 12 different safes around that shit. So then it, even if someone found it, it's like they like get through the first three ones and they're like, okay, girl, this is a lot. Like, right. Honestly, like, we're, we're, like I'm tired. <laughs> it's like, it's What's not that Netflix? serious. But then I'm also like, but would that call too much attention? Like if someone was like, wow, there's like 10 safes around this thing. Clearly mm. there has to be something. <gasps> I know what I would do. Oh. I would. So I would do that. The, what I just described, the 12 safes, but I would put something like, I would put like some kind of fake behind it. So it would be like the, the seal of Solomon quote unquote, but it's just like, I don't know, like a, like a piece of bark that I just like carved into a circle, like kind of like how on survival they'll make the fake immunity pieces or whatever. Like, I feel like I would do something similar, just make a completely fake one, fake them out. Then put the actual ring of Solomon, like somewhere just fully inconsequential, like in, I don't know, like, but see, but then if someone finds it, that would be by accident. Right. I don't know. I would just, okay, I would have two boxes. Two boxes where it's like, okay, like, 
there's the fake one and then the real one. Mm. And then after the labor going through the fake one, everyone's like, oh my God, like, okay, so I guess it's gone. Guess this is it or like whatever. And then like no one actually looks for the real one. Mm. Yeah. I think I would do that. And then just okay. commit the codes to memory. Mm-hmm. Okay, what would you pretty, do? Pretty, that's pretty foolproof. I'm not going to lie. Pretty good. A fake out. Thanks. A fake out will always, <laughs> <laughs> is always a good idea. Um, you know, that's a good question. So at first I was like, the rulers of the jinn, the nine rulers, definitely dictatorial authoritarians is locking a creature up for being super strong for all of eternity a good thing (laughs) um Mm. don't they also have like agency and feelings so i was like true uh, i don't know exactly entirely about that so that's one thing and then having this ring that just controls everyone across the board feels like a net negative so I was like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe I, so yeah, to your point about the Zoom call, I kind of low-key want to be like, <laughs> I want to be like, I command you to come to a tea party with me and read about pacifism. Because, but then I'm like, but now aren't you, and not just pacifism, but like about beauty and love and joy, like, but then command, you know, it's taking away agency. I, maybe I'm requesting, I'm asking for like <laughs> 10 meetings where I, I show you, you know, what good food tastes like. Like we've made some really right. good inventions on food lately. Mm. Have you had we- like <laughs> donuts nowadays? It's it's a bop. Like, and like, like Earth is kind of lit. Like we all read on Earth were briefly gorgeous. Like we just right. like I don't know. Do right. There's some really good movies out there. We we mm. almost got the space space travel thing going. I I think I I my right. most ethical choice would be to try and convince the nine rulers that it's worth love is worthwhile that's probably what i would mm. do <laughs> because then i right. would be like hey love is worthwhile can you help us make that a reality on earth because not for nothing mortals are really bad at this so <laughs> your assistance would be great <laughs> and you were really good at conquesting but what about we love <laughs> we can <consider? laughs> Um, as you can see, this argument would be very convincing to them, which hence why I don't even need the seal of salt. No, and then right. I think after making this request, I would I'd actually destroy the ring because if if okay, so my if love it doesn't work, like if I love is not convincing enough, then you know what? The universe is gonna have to just be what it is. So that's my that's my biggest attempt. That's all I got. Oh wait! I didn't realize you could just destroy it. Oh well, shit! If I could do that, I would just do. I would just say, I don't know, take a hammer to that shit and just. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I guess we could just destroy. It. Well, the other thing is that worries me is that what if you needed it? What um, if the nine rulers of the gen, like you know, hellfire the whole planet, and someone's sitting at you like, so you really destroyed the one, the one thing that could have. Uh, Stop them, huh? That was your plan. <laughs> you couldn't have put it in two boxes. That's okay. That's it. That's a good point. And also, too, who knows? Maybe the nine lords can, like, I don't know, reverse climate change or something. <laughs> like, you know, right, like, they actually right. might be helpful. So, that's yeah, okay. I'll keep my original response. Yes. I like your original one. But I, I do think that, anyway, neither of us figured out what to do. So, if you have a better plan, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> Contemplate it in your journal entry for this book that you haven't read yet. And we're going to mm. take a break. And when we yes. come back, we'll do a summary. <laughs> and, and yeah. All right. Talk to y'all soon. Sounds good. See y'all in a bit.
Yep. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we've had an existential crisis about what we would do with infinite amounts of power and control, um, now you can figure out what Fatima will do with that power. What? Spoilers? Okay, here we go. So, when we left off at chapter 16, the imposter, pretending to be Al-Jahiz, had been sowing seeds of discord through Cairo, riding a giant ifrit, he's using ghouls yep. to attack the ministry, turning Zargos yep. the librarian against Fatima so he could steal mm-hmm. the clock of the world, which is very uh, ominously named, clock of the world. It's not like, you know, the clock of the day, right. clock of Rhode Island world. <laughs> and also, <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. I think I'm funny. Okay, so also, everyone now knows what happened to the Brotherhood. Y'all remember that the flame, the combustion from the inside, mm-hmm. and then the newspaper and the tea lady was like. Yeah. <laughs> and all that, plus the summit with the foreign diplomats, is still happening on Wednesday. That's right. Not Saturday, not Sunday, midway through the week. <laughs> When your your boss is like, hey, that meeting's happening on Wednesday. You're like, Wednesday, not Friday? And they're like, Wednesday, <laughs> which is two days before Friday, yes. So the ministry basically <laughs> calls Fatima to tell her that news exactly. So Fatima's like, I guess I'll go to the summit and keep a lookout for suspicious activity, a.k.a. the imposter, who is a.k.a. definitely going to be there. Right, and then Hadia's like, guess we're going on Tuesday. And then Fatima's like, no, 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 I'm pretty sure it's Thursday. And like Ahmad's like, actually, no, I think it's Wednesday. <laughs> 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 it's indeed on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> they're like can someone check their email like i don't know i don't know right. calendar, so. girl what does outlook say like it's just like <laughs> when the fuck is the summit <laughs> will there be food anyway so they get to the summit <laughs> and it's that's the question it's shade <laughs> they get to the summit and it's a huge fancy party with all the elites of the early 20th century hanging out mm-hmm. making an appearance looking cute we see abigail worthington but not <laughs> Her brother Alexander mm-hmm. and City also arrives in disguise and you know looking a little bit like a snack. She was like, "Let me turn out today." So Shit. Fatima also meets this woman named Amina. Not a, there's not a lot to do with Amina, but she apparently was the granddaughter of Al Haj Umar Tal. Mm-hmm. And factually, Al Haj Umar Tal was a real person. He was a leader of an Islamic empire that lasted about fifty years before losing to the French. It's like northern West Africa, but. Mm-hmm. Fictionally, he's a leader that foretold of the coming of Al Jahiz. So I just wanted to make sure we knew. Real person in this story, mixed with some fantasy and folklore, but hey, you should read about him as an actual person because that's a really interesting story. Anyway, she, mm-hmm. <laughs> footnotes with Akko, she, Amina, not Akko, is accompanied by a djinn <laughs> named Jean, and she and Fatima also get to talking. And are discussing just letting the boilerplate eunuchs, you know, those robotic eunuchs, mm-hmm. run everything because men just keep throwing the world into chaos. So they proceed to be interrupted by a group of men because irony. And the people <laughs> they're interrupted by are the French diplomat, the Kaiser of Prussia, and the Ottoman Caliphate. If you don't remember from history class or you never learned this, before World War One, Germany and Turkey did not exist. There was Prussia and the Ottoman Empire. So mm-hmm. just for a little background. Now, we learned that since magic has returned to the world, mythical creatures have brought their own set of politics. So the French have been making deals with the Fae or fairy people. The Germans, honestly, they were like, oh, oh, what, what, what lore do we have? <laughs> They're like, everyone's running around looking for their pre-Christianity lore. They're like, we got goons, right. we got goblins. <laughs> do we have wizards? <laughs> Somebody get me a wizard. <laughs> right. 
and they honestly it feels like when everyone sold their stuff and now everyone wants it back but anyway so right. they they finally they have golems i guess and so they they go to the golem empire and they're like Which, hey can we get, uh, can i feel we... like in the grand scheme of mythical creatures i'm like okay, i feel like a go like a golem could you know do a little right. something, something maybe you know they can fly maybe here's what i'm saying if i had to choose i'm choosing a djinn or oh, period. Or period. Fairy. I don't know if I want. Anyway, so the golem <laughs> diplomats are like, yeah, that's fine. Just know that you have to have a golem with you at all times. And we mean all times. So you're at this party, golem's with you. So then the monster's like asleep next to the golem. <laughs> <laughs> Not even that person. Couldn't be bothered. Truly. I feel like that's me anytime someone takes me to an event. They're like, Oh, we brought Akko as an obligation. She's not entirely excited to be here. <laughs> so <laughs> um, the conversation becomes lively and interesting when suddenly there's a scream and everyone realizes that the imposter has crashed the party. So mm-hmm. the imposter just kind of strides in very nonchalant and is like to the diplomats, why have you come to the summit? And why do you support this man if he can't even help his own people? And it's like cricket, cricket, cricket. Oh, we don't we don't care about the oppression of the people. We oppress people all the time. <laughs> right. And the boss is like <laughs> the boss is like, oh, um, let me take this a different direction. Egypt is like a world power now. Doesn't that make you feel insecure, scared, and violent in your toxic masculinity? And they're like, hey, that does make me feel insecure, scared, and violent in my toxic masculinity. And that's enough to have them start pointing fingers and accusing others of building up their militia and expanding their empire. And the imposter basically like rubs their hands together and sneakily walks off, having successfully stirred the pot. Very much giving Regina George from Mean Girls when she's yes, like looking uh, upon yes. the hallway and everyone's just like <laughs> losing their shit. <laughs> like literally just like successfully sowed seeds of chaos. Okay, cool. My job here is done. And I'm like, uh, again, Al Jahi's bad bitch for real. Like been saying this is part of facts. One. <laughs> truly, truly the facts. puppet master out here. I had that same thought reading this. I was like, this is a Regina George throwing pages out of the burn book if I've ever seen it. Listen, <laughs> that was foreshadowing <laughs> the whole time. Right. So then <laughs> Fatima is like, I, I've i seen you use this trick like three times. So I'm on to you. So she follows the imposter through the crowd, you know, is trying to suss her out. Siti joins her. And as they get closer, the imposter turns around and confronts them with the singing sword. And the singing sword's like, I know y'all thought I wasn't going to make a second appearance. You thought I was a one show trope. But here I am for the second half. Who would have thought? And Alka and Marcy were like, I mean, I guess. Sword, are we really like, were, was anyone checking? Was anyone like, hey, really wondering what the singing <laughs> swords up to like really want to follow up on the singing sword literally said nobody and like even right now the singing sword's like damn bitch okay we get it we get it like i don't i don't matter fuck <laughs> like, like loki a little tear runs down there right don't be sad it's not a real sword okay anyway none of this happened and the imposter <laughs> and the imposter is looking at the two of us like y'all need to get out of the story but then they turn back to city and they're like wait a second didn't i stab you and city's like guess i'm just that bitch and she's like no 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 no, 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 no. There's something else at play. <laughs> right. So the imposter uses their powers and all of a sudden City loses all their agency and becomes evil, <laughs> I guess. Sure. <laughs> evil. And kind of like Zargos mm-hmm. when the imposter came into the library. So that's interesting. So then the imposter orders City to attack Fatima. And Fatima, for like the eighth time in this book, is down for the count. Come being on, choked my God. out by her lover. 
And Fatima was like, can I catch a break? And the pin on Siti's dress is like, yes, you can. And so she takes that and she shows it to Siti. And all of a sudden, they're like a consciousness appears behind Siti's eyes. It's not Siti, but like a goddess of some kind. But it's enough to snap Siti out of the brainwashing. And she realized what's just happened. So then Siti flies away because she's like, oh, God. Leaving Fatima like out of breath, moderately mm-hmm. confused, really pissed. <laughs> to be kind honest. of on the brink of passing out, honestly. Yeah, she's like, I just, I, they don't pay me enough for this, and that's facts. Because really, does capitalism ever pay enough for? Are we not this type all being just alienated from our own labor, just mm. exploited at the base of it all? But. Mm. <sighs> Even with gin. Anyway, so yeah. then she starts going after the imposter. Who <laughs> <laughs> manage and she manages to crack uh, their golden mask and cut a piece of their hair off. And she realizes while she's throwing hands that the face undulates and it's like, Whoa, this must be an illusion. They're like, dun dun dun. Like the face literally also, rippled like some water and everyone's like, What the f- fuck? Right. <laughs> like like your face could be hella moisturized, but no one's face is that moisturized. Listen, I, no, I mean, shit, if that's the case, if that's what it takes, <laughs> like, <laughs> god damn. Your face change in physical properties? Like, shit. <laughs> so, uh, so they also recite the lyrics from this gin lullaby talking about nine sleeping Efrits and whether or not we should make them. Spoiler, you shouldn't. It's clearly foreshadowing. Right. Fatima is like, man, I got this mask. I got this hair. I don't have a girlfriend since she tried to choke me out under the control of yeah. the imposter. So I guess I'll just go to the Jasmine Club from the first half and hang out and drink sarsaparilla, which, by the way, is root beer, which won't help you drown away your sorrows because there's zero alcohol in it and a lot of sugar. And everyone <laughs> in the club points that out. They're like, how are you? This, You know, there's not even like peppermint or anything to alleviate stress. And she's like, can everyone just like let me have this? Right. <laughs> <laughs> So after that didn't work, she leaves to go back home and is followed by Ahmed again, who at this point basically just looks like a crocodile. Right. And Ahmed's like, hey. <laughs> just, just like, between like, the- <laughs> why, like, why is that just like a marginally accepted fact? Like, I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm like just looking more like crocodilian by the day. And I'm just like, that, like, are we not like how like, like everyone's not ringing it. any bells of alarm like what the fuck <laughs> everyone's like honestly there's efrits coming down there's gin anywhere this is honestly the least surprising thing that's happened that is a, that is a word that that's fair <laughs> right so then uh, fatima's like puts up Ahmed. Ahmed's like hey you look kind of under the weather what's wrong and fatima's like let me just give you a laundry list and Ahmed's mm. like picking up the laundry from the ground yeah that's a lot of things i'm not gonna lie your plate's pretty full you you know, you should, you know, yeah, have you considered taking caring, caring less? Have you considered therapy? And Fatima's like, we don't have therapy. <laughs> He's like, honestly, I know you feel. I don't know how you feel, but I know how you feel. My lover is dead. It's really upsetting to me. I've, I'm hurt and I'm alone and no one seems to care. And Fatima's like, look, we promise we are still looking for her. I, I haven't given up. Mm. So then she heads home and... Or shortly after, Siti, I guess, like, walks in or maybe she's already in the room and, like, closes the door. You know the, those scenes where someone, like, is sitting by a, a lamp or something and turns it on as a person walks in? Right. giving that kind of vibe. 
Um, and Fatima's <laughs> upset because he's like, you never told me about being a jit. And I, I don't know. I think I'm less bothered about her not telling Fatima that she's a jinn and more bothered by the fact that the imposter could control Jin. That's I guess we are in the same yes. We 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I don't know about this. But anyway, so Siti explains that she's half Jin, half human, and basically her dad, on like a whole Zeusian trip, showed up first as laughter on the wind, which sounds nice. Like that's that's fun. That's cute. And then as coins flying out of the sky, and you're like, Oh, that's beautiful, that's romantic, it's mysterious, mystical. And then into a handsome man, and you're like, Okay, that's fun. Even better. Why not? Right. It doesn't really excuse anything, though, because her mom was definitely 15 and the djinn was definitely thousands of years old. And he definitely impregnated her and then Correct. disappeared forever because I guess being alive for a thousand years doesn't mean you have a moral compass. So he alley-ooped, scooped out of the picture. And Avatma's like, huh, interesting. The ministry doesn't know that much about mixed gin human relations. So this is like all news to us. We have... Mm-hmm. No idea what's going on because literally the gin got released like five minutes ago. So, right. yeah. And they discuss this point and there's like some, I don't know, I don't want to get into the argument between them about whether or not she should or shouldn't have told her. I don't really care that much. But mm-hmm. Sissy points out that the imposter took over her, her mind and he can control the gin. Which means it's a huge problem. Also, Siti's slightly magical. It can always tell when and where Fatima is, but promises she has not been using the powers to control her in any way. So, I mean, mm. that, that's good. <laughs> so, anyway, Fatima asks to see her gin form and it's cute or whatever. Then the next day, fast forward, <laughs> she meets with Hadi at this coffee shop. <laughs> because basically, the government's brought the investigators back from the capital, Alexander, to take over the case. And Fatima does not feel like sharing this information just yet. So she's like, Hadia, yo, the imposter can control the jinn. And the imposter's using an illusion. And it's likely Alexander Worthington in disguise. And Hadia's like, hmm, cool, cool, cool. Heard you. However, I've been looking into Alexander through maybe legal or illegal means who could say, really, but what is legal and illegal in a colonialized system? And Fatima's like, I'm really, you don't need to justify anything to me. And so Hadia's like, anyway, moving on, <laughs> opening the file. <laughs> Um, your boy's not the smartest person out there. He flunked school, only became a captain of the army because of the, his Worthington name. And he screwed up colonizing so bad that his cousin had to come literally rescue him. Yikes. So, I don't know if he's masterminding the social discord that's taking over Egypt. Fatima's right. like, noted, noted. But we took the, the mask and like the lock of hair. That I lifted from the imposter to Dr. Hoda, who is like this alchemist, forensic scientist who works for the ministry. So let's see what she has to say. Then we'll go talk to Zargos again and see what happens. So they head over to Dr. Hoda, who's just this badass alchemist who's been working in the ministry so long, like even before they started the initiative to hire more women. And they try to like give her position to a man or make a man the face of what the actual operation. But right. everyone was like, honestly, we just really like Dr. Hoda. So, and the guy got so jealous that he was like, it's either me or <laughs> her. And everyone's like, okay, well, your last day's uh, tomorrow, my guy. Like- <laughs> right. They literally handed him his stuff in a box and were like, <laughs> 
Ted like didn't like, even respond. Just already had his shit packed no. up. Like, <laughs> they're like, oh, it's so convenient. It's so convenient that you gave us this ultimatum. We thought we were gonna have to make this decision. Oh my god, thank you so much. <laughs> so they go to talk to her, and she tells them that there's magic in the mask and on the hair. It's gin magic, and she was like, what the magic does is it uses your perception against you. So what you see and what you perceive is how it appears. So she's like, look at this mask again. You think it's a gold mask, but when I like touch it and do stuff to it, it doesn't act like a gold mask. And then mm. they looked at it again and they're like, oh my God, it's actually clay. And Fatima's like, okay, is that true for the lock of hair as well? And Dr. Hoda's like, oh yeah, there is gin magic all over this thing, but because it's on a person, it's way harder to break the spell. So mm. you all need to, you know, go find some more clues or something, something to change your mind and give you clarity because otherwise we're never going to figure out what this lock is. Right. So like, okay, cool, cool, cool. They head over to Zargos, who is unfortunately in jail after the ministry attack. I was like, <laughs> jail? Are you kidding? Jail? I'm so upset about yeah. it, but... Fatima's also upset about it. So she's like, look, Sargos, I know you were under mind control and I know you didn't mean to try and hurt me, but why didn't you defend yourself? Why didn't you tell everyone what was up? And he's like, I can't talk about it. And Fatima keeps insisting, you're like, why, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Tell me more. And finally, Hani is like, I don't think he can physically tell you. He's like choking. Like she was like, tell him he doesn't have to tell you before he faints. And so she's like, oh, okay, sorry. No more questions. Just tell us what you can while going around the spell. So mm-hmm. Zargos tells her about a bookseller that she and Hadia can talk to. She also asks him about a phrase that the imposter said about the sleeping Ifrits. And he tells her that's an old gin lullaby. And Fatima's like, does that mean the imposter is going to wake up the nine Ifrits? And Zargos is like, you can't wake up a mythical thing that's not real, which is a hilarious thing to say, considering there are jinn and gods. Right. In the world. <laughs> like, like, oh, that's not real. Everything else is. <laughs> like, you're waking up a if... lullaby? Like, be serious, Fatma. Like, do you even care about this case? And it's like, damn. Bro, you're a whole jinn, but okay. Uh, I'm dead. Okay, so anyway, that's 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 that. And then Marcy is gonna tell you the ending, which gets really wild. Yeah, truly, buck buckle up. Assuming that you aren't already <laughs> buckled, which you should be, because why are you not wearing your seatbelt? Anyway. <laughs> So, yes. So now Hadia and Fatima are like, okay, Zagros mentioned this like bookseller named Rami. Mm -hmm. Let's just like go check out what's going on. So they end up going to Rami's bookshop, which is called Rami's Books in Assorted Ephemera, which I just feel like is the most (laughs) iconic name. (laughs) Like, I love that shit so much. So they meet Rami there as well as his wife. And basically, they they all get to talking. Like they mention Zagros and Rami's like, hold up, hold up. Close the shop. (laughs) We got got a conversation we got to have. So they go down. So they're talking in the bookshop. And basically, they learn about something called the Seal of Solomon. Now, what's interesting about the Seal of Solomon is that essentially... Every time they have the conversation about it, so they, so when Rami and his wife is, are telling Hadia and, and Fatima about the Seal of Solomon, Hadia and Fatima will like follow along, but then like eventually kind of like forget what's going on. It's funny because the Seal of Solomon was actually loosely brought up. They, it was actually loosely brought up in um, a tale that was added to A Thousand and One Nights, which Fatima and Hadia both remembered, but they kind of forget specific details that deal with the Seal of Solomon itself. So we're seeing that like, Something about this concept is like escaping mm-hmm. their minds, kind of similar to 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 other phenomena we've seen earlier. So basically, Rami explains that the Seal of Solomon is a is a I don't say a device, but I guess eh, 
for lack of better language, a device that mm-hmm. was created to give humans the ability to control Jin. Now, yes. Jin, of course, are like, this is a mess. Like, we don't, that's <laughs> right. the very, that's a very vulnerable thing that's just existing in the world alongside us. So the Jin made a deal with the angels to, to basically use magic to obscure the seal of Solomon in any of like humankind's like books, history, things of that nature. And so essentially the way it works is that like humans, whenever like the seal of Solomon is like brought up, they can't actually remember it or like fully witness it. Jen know about the seal of Solomon, but they can't physically talk about it because mm. magic, you know, is all about like balance in the end and every, everything has to balance yes. itself out. So basically, the, so Fatma and Hadi are like, well, how do you, how are y'all able to, to Rami and his wife, they're like, how are y'all able to remember the seal of Solomon? And they're like, we literally have a set of alarms that go off every hour to remind us about the seal of Solomon, like to physically look at sheets <laughs> of paper to be like, the yep. seal of Solomon exists like every hour. Otherwise, they will completely forget about that shit. And so they're like, okay, interesting, interesting, interesting. That's very fascinating. So Hadia and Fatima are like, look, we got to talk to the angels because mm-hmm. I feel like they, they they got some tea when it comes to the whole Seal of Solomon shit. This kind of might be what's going on right now with Al-Jahiz. They definitely know something because they're over here kidnapping Rami every like two or three weeks. Oh, yeah. They would kidnap Rami like every two or three weeks. And, and like they were like, oh, we should also probably like confront them about that. Like, I don't know. So basically they, so Hadia and Fatima end up meeting with the angels, which was like weirdly very easy. Um, but they also mentioned the Seal of Solomon. <laughs> so the angels were like, how the fuck do y'all know about that? Yes, girl, we can meet tomorrow. And so they have like a meeting with five different angels. So the angels themselves are like very interesting because they're like these kind of interdimensional space beings made of clockwork and light and just kind of mechanical and we we don't really fully know what's going on there right the way they were described was really dope they like glisten but they're also made of machinery and then they they live in a dimension but it's not necessarily the earth but it's connected to the earth and yeah and while they were meeting with them in this extra realm like there was a gen there that was like yeah we're like definitely not in cairo right now and like hadia's like that's wild and she was like yeah Anyway, y'all probably want to go to your meeting now. Um, We're just like somewhere in space time, I guess. So like they have basically so they end up having this meeting is Hadia, Fatima and like this angel council. There's like a leader and like a couple other ones. There's like a subplot about how one of the angels looked like the angel that like Fatima and CT fought like a year ago that was trying to destroy the world. It doesn't really go anywhere. So like whatever. But like Mm -mm. basically while they're there, that's where the angels tell them about the whole thing with the seal of Solomon working both on humans and on Jinn in turn. And so, you know, basically they explain that the angels are actually in possession of the seal of Solomon at some point. But Mm -hmm. Siwa was essentially, he was like an archivist for the angels. And so the Siwa was also with the Brotherhood of Al-Jahiz, basically coordinated for a group of thieves to steal the seal in question, as well as the singing sword. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure you're probably like, why the fuck would Siwa do some shit like that? Siwa has like a gambling addiction. And basically this Mm -hmm. was kind of a way to sort of fuel that, this heist that he was a part of. And so, because the Brotherhood it pays for it, right? So you probably can't gamble in singing swords. Sorry, singing swords, but you can gamble in cash. So the Brotherhood pays him for these special items, and then he can use it for gambling. That's kind of the, the exactly thing right. And so, and so, of course, Siwa. Once they clock, once the angels clocked this, they were like, "Siwa, you, you gotta go." Like, 
this is not mm-hmm. it at all. You got to get the fuck out of here. So, yeah. So, basically, now the angels are like, yeah, so the Seal of Solomon's, like, definitely not here. We kind of need that shit back because we, like, made a contract with the djinn about this. And Al-Jahiz being in possession of the Seal of Solomon actually violates the contract. And so, to mm-hmm. maintain compliance with <laughs> the contract, we would like you to, Fatima and Hadia, retrieve it, please. And so, Fatima's like, okay. Interesting, interesting. Two wishes here before we move forward. And Angel's like, are y'all really, are you really you're trying to bargain right. with this right now? Like, like are these are the stakes not high enough? If I was like, listen, do, you, <laughs> do y'all want us to solve this shit or not? And they're like, all right, cool. What, what are your wishes? And she's like, okay, first of all, I need y'all to stop kidnapping Ramsey like every two to three weeks. It's getting weird. And the angels are like, is it weird? And they're like, I think it's like an yes. unequivocal, like objective yes. And they're like, okay, fine. We can arrange that. Cool. What's her second wish? And Fatima's like, okay, the second thing is that I would like y'all, can y'all make it so that Hadia and I remember the Seal of Solomon. Because like this whole time, Fatma and Hadia have had to similarly remind themselves every like mm-hmm. hour. Sometimes it feels like every 10 minutes that the Seal of Solomon exists with these like sheets of paper. Yeah. And so they're like, can you make it such that we can like, you know, remember the Seal of Solomon so we don't have to keep doing this whole back and forth, y'all. Hell, and they're even like, when they showed up to the angels, the angels literally, like, and they're like, good question. What? Why are we? They're like, the Seal of Solomon, here for the Seal of Solomon. They're right. Like, okay. <laughs> Hence why we need the spell removed. <laughs> right. <laughs> so literally, they're like, so we already embarrassed ourselves enough. Like, we need, if we're going to solve a whole right. case, like, we need to remember this shit consistently. And the angels are like, uh, so like can't do that because again um mentioning the contract we us doing that for you all giving you all memories of the seal of solomon would violate that shit and they're like okay well okay. i've never seen them be like mm, per section 15 subsection a subsection <laughs> two um we actually are unable to like right. see them like literally pushing up their glasses <laughs> and reading it word for word no they literally give that very legalese so i was like well shit is is there anyone that can help do it? And the angels were like, well, actually, come to think of it, when at the time of the creation of the contract, we made it in agreement with the jinn. However, there are certain jinn that due to their incorporeal and inert state were actually not able to consent at time of signing the contract. So if in theory you were able to get in touch with one of them, they would be able to do that while maintaining the integrity of this contract. And they're like, okay, what the fuck, bro? Like, like what is this contract giving? Because y'all are really sitting here pressed. So basically to translate that, essentially they're like, any gen that was like asleep during that time or like kind of in a whatever state should be able to like, you know, install your memories back or whatever. So Fatma's like, there was a Marid on page like four of this book that mm. I literally promised I was not going to wake up, but it looks like I'm going to have to violate that shit because yikes. So Fatma and Hadia go to the to the Marid. They like break the seal. He's like, bro, Fatma, what? Has it even been two weeks? Has it even been two weeks? You said, I, he, he was like, I literally, I told you the next time I wake up, this, and he just like made a general gesture towards both Hadi and Fatma, like this humans, like we're going to be a chop. So why the fuck are you looking at me right now with this shit right now? And basically Fatma's like, yeah, 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 I get it. I get it. I get it. We need you to like kind of cancel this whole Seal of Solomon shit. The Marie doesn't make it easy. Literally at one point, like turns Hadia to stone. Like it's like this whole thing. But basically, eventually, 
He's like, fine, I'll like remove the seal on you, whatever. And Fatima's like, great. And then the Marie was like, oh yeah, by the way, why would you ever believe anything an angel tells you? The angels didn't, they were not, their shit wasn't just broken into. The, the <laughs> angels know everything. Do, they, they know everything. What, like, you think they just <laughs> lost the seal of fucking Solomon because Siwa's ass wanted to steal it for some fucking like right. camels, bitch? Like, absolutely not. They was plotting on y'all. And Fatima's like, what? And the Marie's like, yeah. bitch, I already been here for like 10 minutes. So. <laughs> Close this shit up. And I swear, I swear, I swear. And Fama's like, like, okay, whatever, whatever. So they seal him back. And he was like, okay, fine. Shit. Oh, he was like, if y'all open this again, I'm, we're not, there's going to be no discussion. I'm going to come out the bottle with a lightning strike on you. Right. Like, yikes. <laughs> like it's, it's immediately curtains. So essentially, so at this point, they're like, okay, this is really interesting. So mm. Hadi and Fama is like, okay, like, who would have been good enough to have stolen something as significant as the Seal of Solomon and the Singing Swords? So there's this group of women thieves called the 40 Leopards that, like, I'm not sure if we've mentioned or not. They exist in, in the world, and they've kind of, like, shown up at different points. And so basically, Hadi and Fatma are like, okay, we need to, like, probably talk to them because I'm pretty sure they're the ones who did it. And they mm-hmm. got there, and, like, the 40 Leopards were like, yeah, we, like, definitely were the ones who stole the Singing Sword, but, like, maybe the Seal of Solomon? We stole something else, but, girl, I can't really remember. And then Fatma's <laughs> like, yeah, was, they were like, yeah, is definitely the seal of solomon because y'all of course Mm -hmm. y'all wouldn't be able to remember some shit like that and so at this point they're like okay this is helpful information interesting siwa is kind of the glue holding all this together siwa looking a little suspect so they go back to siwa the illusion gen from earlier and fatma and of course like when he he opens the door to see them tries to close it in their faces and fatma's like listen okay so you can (laughs) open the door to us or you can open the door up to the cairo police which is it and siwa's like oh fine so like lets them in and then fatma's like oh yeah by the way like Give it all this illusion shit. Let's mm-hmm. just have a normal conversation. See, was like, Ugh. so like basically, they're like, okay, listen, Siwa, we know that like there's a lot going on. You're kind of the glue connecting all this together. We need you to tell us about what what exactly is Alexander Worthington's role in all of this because mm-hmm. like he's looking more and more sus because Al- clearly the Brotherhood of Al Jahiz is the one putting this all together. And in mentioning Alexander Worthington, basically Siwa ends up cutting out his own tongue Again. and they re- and like isn't able to talk. And so then they realize that, oh, there's some kind of spell on him. Like, similar to Zagros, they're like, oh, like, every time we mention Alexander Worthington, like, he literally can't speak about it. This is exactly what happened in, like, part one. Interesting, interesting, interesting. But also, they're like, the Seal of Solomon wouldn't make you do some shit like this. Clearly, this is a very Mm -hmm. specific spell that's been put on you, but specifically... In response to Alexander Worthington. So this is some kind of maybe gen magic or maybe just someone who just has access to magic, period. And so mm. they're like, okay, Siwa, can you give us a clue? Just tell us more about this whole situation in a way that doesn't violate, you know, your own body. So Siwa ends up mentioning this, like a quote from this story called The Tale of Lady Dot Alhima. Well, it's like a, it's like a series of quotes. Well, first, Hadi is like, it's not your fault. They're using your addiction against you. They shouldn't be doing that between the angels and the Brotherhood. And then Siwa basically is trying to tell them through poetry what's going on. And Hadia, who's pretty pretty quick on the uptake, is like, oh, I think that means yes. Like, So like, Fatima will be like, did you steal the sword and the seal Solomon for the imposter? And then Siwa would say like a quote. And so they like do this for a couple of rounds. It's actually really cool and really well written. And then they're about to leave. And right as they're about to go, Siwa mentions, he's like, you should read this book, which you were about to mention, Marcy. Right. And and yes, thank you for that, Akko. That's, that's exactly what happened. So it's like that whole back and forth. And basically the book is, yeah, the tale of Lady Dot Alhima. So they're like, okay, this is interesting. This is interesting. Basically, TLDR, 
are at this point. Alexander Worthington is mm. the goddamn yeah. imposter. Ain't no doubt about it. Clear as day, clear as the sky on this here today. He got to go. <laughs> got to go. So he they're like, go. listen, he has to go. Another reason he has to go. They t- they, so they went back to, to Dr. Hoda and they were like, okay, we learned a lot of really interesting information from the angels. Let's look at this lock one more time. This lock of hair. That shit went from being like a lock to like a blonde lock of hair that like matches Alexander Worthington's like hair texture and length. So they're like, yep, you got to go. We got to let's, let's round let's round Alexander's ass up. So Fatima, Hadia, Asim, Osin and like a bunch of other like agents and like officers end up going to arrest Alexander. Now the entire time Fatma's like, I don't know, something feels incomplete. I I don't know. Just something's mm. not fully clicking. Like I just, you know, Alexander Worthington, really mediocre. I just feel yeah, like not. doesn't have the foresight. <laughs> it just isn't giving like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about He's this. He's not one, giving capital we, V villain. Right. Henchman, shit. Maybe. But. Maybe, but mm. and then this is aided by the fact that Osin, who's like hella fucking nerdy, was like, "Okay, so I read the tale of Lady Dot Alhima," and Fatma was like, "I didn't think you would read the whole thing." And he's like, "Oh yes, yes, yes." When I was in university, like I had to really learn speed reading. It's it's enough to really get the gist of it, but like you can't really get all the details. You know, I it really was. And Fatma was like, "Listen, okay, Osin, can you, we're literally outside of the Worthington Estate. Can you hurry this shit up?" And Osin's like, "Ah, oh, yes, 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 yes. Of course, of course, of course." So. Basically, the story is about a woman who disguises herself as a man to fight in a battle and prove a point to her son, who who she actually taught how to fight. But then he grew arrogant and thought he was better than her. So basically, she Mm. was like, "Okay, I'm I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna remind your ass who's the one running this motherfucker." So Fatma's like, "I cool heard you." So they head inside the Worthington estate and they're in the process of arresting Alexander. He's, of course, like red faced, just angry as fuck. Just like, mm-hmm. how the fuck? What are y'all even doing right now? What is happening? And Fatma's out going on this whole like monologue about like Alexander and like maybe his own motives and stuff. She ends up throwing a sword because he had like that, like a collection of swords. She throws a sword wasn't in his direction. Hadia? I think it's Hadia who throws the sword, wasn't it? I thought Fatma threw it to him and then Hadia fought him. Ah, okay. Keep going. Sorry. Okay, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> so Hadia, Fab- somebody throws a sword towards Alexander, who ha- catches the shit hella clumsily. Hadia also has a sword. And Fatma's like, go and fight him real quick. So like, you know, because Hadi is really good at like, you know, sword yielding. I don't know what the official term is, but like basically <laughs> they're like having this whole sword fight. Alexander is barely able to keep together, has no form. It's a mess. So Fatma's like, this is really interesting because Alexander fights with his right hand and the imposter fights with their left. So she throws a sword. So she doesn't say this out loud, but she like throws a sword towards Abigail Worthington, who's also there. She catches it one-handedly with her left hand. Fatma runs up to her. They start Mm. parrying back and forth. Like, it's like a whole to-do. And Fatma's like, you fight awfully close like the imposter. Just think that that's a really, really interesting quinky-dink here. You got something to say, Abigail's over here like... Oh, I guess um those fencing those lessons were just really good. Hoo 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 hee hee hee. Like had no idea. Just got lucky, I guess. And then Fatma's like, "Cut the shit, Abigail. What's going on?" And then Abigail's like, "Okay, look, you got me. You got me." And then in like fucking fluent Arabic, basically uh. explains that like it just again has been gagging everybody the whole time. Was like, I use my positionality as a white British woman to to work with the fact that people would naturally underestimate me to, because my ultimate plan is to take the seal of Solomon and use it to 
take over the gym and make make it such that like the British Empire can rise once again. Because rather than relying on our own lore and like shit like that, let's just steal gin from another country and then use them to subjugate that same country and then expand our empire to the glory it once held. You're like, you're sounding real colonizer right now, Abigail. Real <laughs> colonizer tease. Which I will say, Abigail Worthington is a complete colonizer. But I did kind of like the subversion of, because at first they were thinking, okay, like, she became Al Jahiz because she wanted to get revenge on her father because, like, she was the one that really built up the brotherhood and didn't really get any credit for it. She also was never even invited into the brotherhood. And, like, all of the the heir of the Worthington estate was Alexander and not her. Like, Fatma assumed it was personal. And then Abigail was like, listen, if I was a man you would have readily assume that it was in the conquest of power. It's the same shit here. I'm doing the shit for power. I don't give a fuck about my dad. Like, he had to go. But, like, <laughs> I'm doing it for the great Britannia. And Fratma's like, well, this is a mess. And then they realized, too. So remember <laughs> how so in part... What's that? Well, it's interesting because when, when Fatima said, I was like, Fatima, you know that she did not do this to Zephyr. She has mentioned her dad zero times. You know she's out here for the power. Like, I sat there, I was like, she's about to let her brother get arrested. This is not Bull House. Right. Like, any cl- anybody can go, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, sorry. But yeah, you're right. It was a cool subversion, but continue. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> so basically, at this point, all pandemonium breaks loose. So, okay, mm. remember how in part one, there would like, be this weird taking sound whenever they went to the Worthington estate. So the ticking sound is getting louder and louder as Abigail is making her like dramatic confession. The building starts to literally fall apart. Like there's like, it's it's getting weird. Fadma, Hadia, (laughs) Alexander, Asim, Osin, everybody, Parveen, shit. Everybody is running out this this estate and is like, listen, we got to get the fuck out of here. And the the estate actually basically collapses completely. And in its place rises a giant metal gin that's being worked on by Ifrit. And at the top of this gin is Abigail and her four little friends or whatever. <laughs> and they're just like looking at her and they're and everybody's looking at her and Abigail's like now is the time for me to take the gin. I was planning on doing this in like a day or two, but like now we'll do whatever. Gonna just take o- take what's mine in this here Cairo, Egypt. Also, by the way, Clock of the World, I got that shit too. Come at me, mm. Fatma, if you can. So they start to just make their way off, like on this giant gin running off. So Fatma and everybody's freaking the fuck out because they're like, we don't even know, like, how are we even going to stop her? They're trying right. to basically, they're heading back to the, the king's palace where the where the summit's happening. And there, that's where they plan to like corral all the gin and do their whole thing. So it's a whole thing. It's stressful. City shows up just conveniently as fuck, like on a motorcycle, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's um, true. And it's like, I only have room for one person. Who's it going to be? Fatma's like, I mean, listen, I'm the protagonist. And City's like, fair enough. So basically, she's like, okay, we're going to go towards the palace. And then everybody else, Hadia, Basim, everybody else, y'all the, the figure something out. Right. They got electric trams. Y'all jump on a tram or something. Right. Like, <laughs> I, I think the bus is still running. Like, y'all, y'all got it. <laughs> so kind of a giant mechanical gin just walking through the streets. But I'm sure public transportation is still going. So. Right. <laughs> like, without a hitch. I'm sure there's, like, no delays. No delays. Um, so, basically... <laughs> So essentially, so now they are, so they, so Fatma and Siti end up going to the palace. It's basically been cleared out, but like Jin from all over, not even just Cairo, but I'm pretty sure just Egypt in general are like all mm-hmm. over the place. And they're right next to the palace is like Abigail on this giant, if on this giant metal Ifrit. And is basically like commanding all the jinn using the magic, the the ring to like kind of possess them. And is like, yeah. we are going to take what's ours, like blah, 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 whoop, 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 whoop. Siti and Fatma show up and they're like, 
So it's like hundreds of Jen and Abigail and Ifri. Like, how is this going to work? And then Sitchi's like, I got it. Don't worry. I have a gun. I'll just shoot at Abigail, kill her, and then everything will be fine. So she shoots the gun. Mrs. Abigail ends up shooting one of her friends instead, and it's not fine because everyone's <laughs> Abigail's like, get the <laughs> So like at this point, everybody's battling fucking City and fought, but who to be to their credit are actually holding their own. Cause the thing what we learn is that mm. Abigail <laughs> Abigail, when she's commanding this many gin, she can like possess them, but like the power isn't all consuming. It, it's being stretched mm. thin. So yes. it's enough to kind of get them a- able to get closer to her. Whoop, whoop, whoop. At one point, <laughs> um, Siti and, and, and Fatma get a lot closer. Siti ends up fighting these ghouls that almost kill her, but like she manages to survive. Abigail, in complete chaos, is like, now is the time to call upon the nine lords to really complete this whole thing because I have the Because gen- like we, we haven't, we, this isn't enough. Like just right. controlling the djinn. And causing chaos and destruction in Cairo, not enough, clearly. Not enough. Need the nine lords as my generals, as they will help me in my international conquest. So she calls upon the nine lords. They arrive and they're like, who dare release us from our sleep? And Abigail with her, I don't know, like average human height is like... (laughs) Oh, yes, great lords, you will kneel before me. <laughs> kneel! And then the nine lords are like, bro, like, bro, like, who, who, who is she talking to, bro? Like, Yo. what the fuck? Like, who the fuck? And she's like, kneel! <laughs> and then weirdly enough, they do start they to do. kneel. And, yeah. <laughs> and Epop was like, not Abigail Worthington single-handedly <laughs> bringing the world to its knees. Like, like, capital B villain, but like, I gotta give you your chops a little bit. Like, you kind of wearing it out right now. So basically, so all this is happening. Abigail is like, kneeling all all this shit. And then Ahmad, who is just full blown a crocodile at this point, who's been hiding among the (laughs) djinn the entire time, is like, now is my chance. And so like this weird transformation that's been happening. Like literally in a trench coat. Has a snout, a snout and all, girl. Literally is a full blown reptilian motherfucker. (laughs) Shows up and is like, oh, she can't yell Neil if she, her ring is missing. So I'm just going to bite off her hand with the ring on it. So he does just that. He bites off yeah. Abigail's hand, taking the ring with it. The nine lords are like, oh, I guess we're back. <laughs> Abigail's like, hmm. I mean, of course, alarm, screaming, just like, oh, my God, what is happening? And the nine lords like, wow, that's really embarrassing that Abigail Worthington literally almost took us out. But um, <laughs> right. we're back. Um <laughs> And, and mind you, there's like a portal that they can like go back into or whatever. And Fatima's like, "Oh, um, nine lords, could you could you uh, could you consider maybe just like I don't know, maybe just like going back, like maybe just like leaving, <laughs> like like we figured it out. Like, like it was really so sorry for the inconvenience. We're just we'll, <laughs> we do valet parking, but you're gonna have to we go. we can reimburse you all for everything that y'all like. Honestly, right. we're so sorry. And so then like the nine lords are like. I mean, shit, we here, we might as well get comfortable and take back what is ours. (laughs) And then Fatma's like, I don't like the sound of that shit. And the Nine Lords are like, you shouldn't, Fatma, because mortals are about to wear it out. Mortals are running this shit? Oh, absolutely not. So they're like, oh, how convenient that Abigail at least corralled all the djinn because they're like, oh, look, djinn, like, please 
Join our forces. We are going to take over everything. We are going to take what's ours and be the rulers of this kingdom. And we will be basically your slave owners um, because y'all will be basically doing whatever we tell you to do. So the Jin who are released from Abigail's control are now are like, oh, well, shit. Like, I mean, we can't really fight. Again? Like, like again? Like, man. <laughs> like, God damn, we can't catch a break. But then there's this one old lady Jin that's like, you know, I ain't really trying to do all that. That sounds right. like a chop. That sounds like some shit I'm not trying to do. We take mm. what's ours, power, whoop, 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 but then we're slaves, basically. Yeah, girl, I'm not really trying to do all that shit. That sounds late. I'm not about it. <laughs> and then they were like, how dare you? And then like other gen are like, ah, yes, I yeah. actually agree with this. Yeah, this actually does sound kind of <laughs> shitty. And they're like, you know, look, it's hundreds of us. It's only nine of them. I mean, I feel like we right. could take them for real. Like, not for nothing. And it the nine lords are like... <laughs> What's up? It was Loki was like was like a bunch of people sitting like it felt like back in the first half when like Al Jahiz was there was right. like back and forth with and they were discussing <laughs> the same thing like a committee was created they're like let's take a popular vote like they're right. on the social media it was like do you or do you not want to conquest <laughs> they had a whole like discussion group it happened over like three days um it was literally they were just right? like yeah like honestly this sounds really a mess like honestly it sounds like the nine lords would benefit and all of us would suffer so fuck this entirely <laughs> so the nine lords proceed to whip out their like fiery weapons and they're like okay guess we got a scrap and then the jinn are like guess we got a scrap and then fatima's like and then abigail's still like Neil! and everyone's like i think abigail i think we can do it. like hang it up we, hang we it up it. we like, moved past it we're done it's here. late like stop this so like basically <laughs> all hell breaks loose literally a gin war starts to basically break yep. out in downtown cairo like literally gin from the seas mm-hmm. from the earth from the skies from the from, the, from space from motherfucking right. jupiter <laughs> like it's a whole Ooh. battle in this mother and so basically kafatma's like okay so this is like full blown a mess also the building collapsed and like she narrowly survived because city like saved her city is really just I mean, give give her give her her roses because what honestly. the fuck city has really been carrying this whole book oh, on her yeah. back the whole fucking her time and Hadia, honestly like, honestly the three of them actually are low-key truly give them their tens please Facts. anyway so basically they're like they're so Fatima's like actually trapped underneath some rubble weirdly enough Abigail is too because I guess City was like I'm gonna save you too not because I want you to stay alive but because I want you to I want you I want you shaking in your boots for the rest mm. of your days because these gin are we we hold a grudge and we hold nothing else and Abigail Worthington I want you for the rest of your motherfucking days to just look always be looking behind you always be asleep with one eye open because we we don't forget and we'll hop into your dreams and shit too so buckle up and i'm like you know that's a level of pettiness that i respect city <laughs> so oh yes hadia and like some other people show up they like uh amina from earlier like heals fatima and like everybody and it's like okay like we're healed boop, boop, boop. ahmad shows up again ahmad being the crocodile and it's like ah uh, yes we need to like fix this whole gin like outbreak right now so Someone needs to 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 take this seal of Solomon and do something with it and do do a little thing, whoop de whoop, whatever, whatever. But it needs to be immortal, and like I can't really do it because, like, honestly, weird. I know super like a weird take, hard take here, but I don't <laughs> think I classify as immortal anymore. And everyone's like, "Yeah, girl, like I, I think you full no blown one. don't." Um, City, of course, doesn't work because she's half Jin. Abigail's evil, so fuck that. So basically, it comes down mm-hmm. to Hadia and Fatma. They first give the ring to Hadia, who's like, "Oh my god, please, 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 don't choose me, ring. Oh my god!" But the ring, like, because the ring has to also choose you to like work. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't work for Hadia. It works for Fatma. 
And basically, like, when she puts on the ring, there's, like, this whole, like, sequence where she's, like, thrown into this, like, iridescent, like, fog and, like, all this shit happens. But basically, she is told by, like, the consciousness of the ring, which takes up various forms. At one point, it's her cat. It's Sitsy. It's hot. Like, it just, it looks like whatever. Basically, is like, it don't you like want to looks like the edge of her perception. Whatever basically. she can perceive. That's what it looks like. So the ring is essentially, like... You can command us and you can control the djinn, wield me, take me, and you can be the master of everything. Fatima, don't you want power? Don't you want city to just do everything you wanted to do? Don't you want don't you want to just command the world? Bring it to its knees. And Fatima's like, not really. Honestly, just want to stop <laughs> the nine lords. That's kind of what I'm about. And they're like, but don't you want golden pet? And Fatima's like, I no. just want to stop the nine norms like it's just getting weird so basically they're like uh fine whatever but like if you change your mind we will take over and Fama's like yeah yeah i get it <laughs> so basically you Fama's and everybody like, else you and everybody else <laughs> everybody else shit so like whatever basically Fama's like okay i'm gonna use the ring and so essentially he's able to stop the nine lords she throws their asses back into the portal and the, and the nine lords are like Remember, Fatma, we live eternally. You live for like a femtosecond of the amount of time that we live. So like we will be back and we will and we will take what is ours. And Fatma's like, that sounds really cute. I likely won't be around for that. So that's fine. Yeah, like that. Y'all be easy. Like, I don't know what else to tell (laughs) y'all. So basically that happens. The I guess the gin, the gin war that was like a night long ends and like. Fatima's like, okay, cool, Ahmad, um, Crocodile, please take the seal and hide it where no one can find this shit, because, uh, yikes. And Abigail, who this entire time has been just been wiling, one of the, Fatima goes to one of the Ifrit and it's like, hey, I'm not going to demand you to do this, but I would recommend, could you just, like, erase some of Abigail's memory of just, like, the past couple months so she doesn't, like, go looking for the seal? Because she literally will stop at nothing. She's still screaming, Neil. It's getting weird. So the Ifrit are like, yeah, like, that's fine. So they, like, go to Abigail, um, end up erasing not just the memory of, like, this whole recent incident, but, like, all of her memories, actually, leaving her in a catatonic state where she doesn't remember who she is or what she is or where she is or what's going on or, like, anything the fuck that's happening. And then Fatima's like, that is not what I told you I asked to do. And the Ifrit was like, she was trying to make us our slaves. Like, I don't think you really have the range to comment too much on us taking whatever justice we can i mean i didn't kill her shit she's alive i mean do i at least get my flowers for that the ifrit's like remember like at the beginning of the book when i like got enslaved was anyone around for that anyone had any commentary on that no okay so it looks like right. this is a a b conversation exactly so get the fuck <laughs> over Fatma. and Fatma's like, Fatma's like aren't you a pacifist and ifrit's like she's still alive i'm off yeah. to go you know fly around and read philosophies of marxism or something so, yeah. right basically <laughs> so all this is happening ahmad ends up hiding the ring abigail loses all of her memories and the book basically ends with everybody hanging out at ct's auntie's restaurant hadia city fatima auntie asim ahmad wasn't there he was elsewhere um everybody else basically and they're just like enjoying themselves eating relaxing city's auntie's like not for nothing. I've been seeing the way you look at City and like, I don't know, like, I just feel like I'm, I'm here for it. I'm with it. I'm with the shits. Like, it's y'all, are, y'all are cute or whatever. And Hadi is like, nah, yeah, I mean, agreed. And then Fatima's like, y'all are so embarrassing. Like, oh my God. And so then like, she gets like a letter from Ahmad that's basically like, I have hidden the ring and we are, we are in good hands. Fatima, don't you worry. And then Fatima's like, 
I think there's a good place to 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 end the summary here, Marcy. And I'm like, I agree, Fatma. I agree. So <laughs> now we're gonna take a break, and then when we come back, we'll get into all of our thoughts and feelings on a master of Jen. Woo. And we're back for the final half. And our. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, just general thoughts and feelings. I really, I fuck with this book. I really like it. I dug it. I, it's, it is everything you're looking for. It is story. It is mystery. It is detective novel. It is fun characters. It is steampunk, sci-fi fantasy, like, historical fiction it's just dope it's a great story it's effective it's brilliant it's detail oriented Mm. obviously i love history i'm sure no one no one is surprised by that statement truly the biggest gag of the year up to (laughs) this point honestly (laughs) so right everyone's like akko history we never would have suspected but um as someone who loves history so much just having someone be so detail oriented with their historical facts and and their use of fantasy is is just really fun to me and of course taking a non non non-western perspective is just really i really i really dug it i dug it so mm. much even the solomon lore there's so much solomon lore out there it's kind of overpassed a lot but in the past like you know stories of solomon and the, there was so much lore and magic around that so to bring that back i was like a really mm. fun twist i i thought i did i thought i was it was going to lose me at first i was like oh are we gonna go a direction that i'm not getting you know because sometimes you can have a second half that, like kingdom of souls mm. <laughs> which we love <laughs> We love down, but sometimes you know your second half can take a turn, and this didn't do that. It, it, I I mm. I appreciated, I followed, and I liked the direction that it went in. Now, are y'all say thinking Akko and Marcy are just happy because they predicted it, and because they predicted it, they like the ending? <laughs> and while we feel really good about the prediction, the when she when Abigail started speaking fluent. Arabic and then said like oh if you play the part everyone accepts it I was like this yep. is exactly what we said in the yep. mm-hmm. but I do think that's a testament to the writer because as we I think we've put it out before when you do a mystery detective novel not about your readers not figuring out the answer it's about having a figure out a bull story so that if someone figures that or they don't they're still impressed right or mm. but they believe that the clues were there and they were able to figure it out they it, it was possible for them to figure out as opposed to when you know the clues were just like you couldn't have found them even if you looked really hard and you know if if it, if it's something like well we didn't have that information or someone mm. dropped something in the last minute that's not fun but if you're reading it and you can figure it out that's just as fun as if you don't figure it out but it's figure out a bowl so i think the story does that really really well and and makes it really fun to to read and, and get into yeah i i just really dig it i dig the gin i there's so there's so much humanity and all the mystical characters mm. and the dynamics between them you know you with siva and zargos there's you feel so hard for them like and what it means to be a non-human but to have agency and have it also a, a sense of life and it was just really 
dope and cool. Like just because a creature is immortal, like just because they don't live your mythical mystical existence doesn't mean there's doesn't mean it's dismissive. You know, I think we mm-hmm. as humans think anything happening outside of us is about us. <laughs> mm-hmm. It just so, something can interact with us, but from decentering yourself it's not about us i think that's sometimes about ghosts which (laughs) is an interesting (laughs) thought but anyway yeah that was really cool i really again i loved this i just just the 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 landscape and the lore and it was really cool to me but what about you marcy uh yes 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 absolutely absolutely friend super agree definitely especially with the the piece around the mystery i feel like the mystery was so solid because there's mm. and, and what I love about it is that like and this is where I'm like I kind of want to get into more fantasy themed mysteries because like I think what separates this from say a like Widows of Malabar Hill is that a book like that Widows of Malabar Hill something that's kind of rooted in sort of like everyday whatever technically depending on the depending on the writing and sort of what, what what we're told and what we're not you sometimes you can guess shit really early and then like when you when it's revealed at the end it's almost like okay well i kind of knew this was the case the whole time what i liked about this is that you could kind of do the same thing but there were some limits to what you knew right so it's like mm-hmm. you didn't uh, until you saw al face ripple it's like okay wait what the fuck or like the lock of hair mm-hmm. right and like all this other shit that it was like okay, okay, there's some pieces here. Like, we knew who Siwa was, but we didn't know who the 40 lepers were, but, like, we didn't know of this whole contract with the angels and the, mm-hmm, the jinn. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like it, it kind of, I feel like it kind it of paces something. out your realization as a reader to the yeah. point where it's like, by the time, I mean, before they went to the Worthington Estate, I was like, bro, it's definitely Abigail. Like, I was fully convinced. Honestly, what I thought originally, after they saw the angels, I thought Abigail was involved, but I actually thought Ahmad was the imposter. And the reason why is because the angels mentioned they were like, any human that wields the, uh, the seal of Solomon for super long, they start to physically deteriorate. So when they were describing mm. how Ahmad was like transforming, I was like, oh, maybe like, you know, maybe he is the imposter and like he went to the Brotherhood because he had some kind of beef with them and he killed his own lover mm. as like the perfect alibi because no one would ever look at him. Like, why would you kill her? Especially if you're making this yeah. huge like exclamation around it being like, you know, like, oh, like my lover, right. like all of it this. Gives so, you... Right. And I thought that like Abigail maybe was like, so I thought that with Ahmad and then with Abigail, I was thinking maybe she like knew of this or like was kind of ke- like keen on this shit, but was trying to like start some type of shit. Like I thought she was trying to start mm. some type of like war or something like, cause, cause there was a whole bunch of pieces around like the Worthington estate investing in like weapons and like metal and all the shit. And basically I was like, okay, right. I feel like there's some kind of joint like Abigail Ahmad situation. But then like, at the end, it was like, I was like, okay, guess it's Abigail. And honestly, not, not, I'm like, if it's not a mod, it's definitely Abigail, <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> so loved that piece a lot. Um, I, I, I like that the world building really complemented the mystery and it didn't feel convenient. Mm-hmm. It felt well paced. It like, yeah. you heard the taking of the clock of the world in like chapter like three, you know, when they first got yeah. there, right? So it was like all the pieces were there and it just felt like every piece of this was so meticulous down to the historical references down to the building descriptions down to just like the the properties of the world and when they're introduced it was just so intentional you can tell a lot of intention yeah. went into this before it was crafted you 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 can you see the hints there and so and reading I, it I, I was like oh sorry no i'm sorry keep going oh yeah so so i was gonna say that piece and then something else that i loved in part two loved 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 and I'll, I'll gush more about this in a second, but I just want to say quickly, I loved how in the mystery they had to work with quote unquote villainous characters to get to the bottom of it, right? Like they had to work with mm. 
the angels who everyone's like they kind of have motives that no one can really play <laughs> so like mm. there's the angels they had to work with they had to work with the 40 lepers they had to talk to siwa even though siwa is like you know kind of was a catalyst to a lot of this shit right like it, there was a lot of just having to work with groups and people that like other i mean Ahmad for the longest time they were like is hella creepy like has got to go you know like it just it felt like the the anyone regardless of where they fell morally was helpful in in all of this and even at the end like when i mean abigail wasn't necessarily helpful after her whole decline but like you know it was nice to see that like like kind of how her arc was even handled i don't know i just felt like the 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 piece around the villains was really really interesting i feel like it offered them a lot of agency and a lot of um context and history and complexity so yeah, yeah. i mean it's interesting I, I almost in a different way it, it seems like they weren't villains like it's and that's what's cool about detective mm. novels. It's more like everyone just has their own motives as opposed to anyone being a villain, right? So CY has his, and it's also a testament to the good writing, to your point. Mm. Well writing? Good writing? Sure. Good writing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good writing. Because, um, you know, a really fleshed out story means antagon- an antagonist isn't a villain. An antagonist is someone who has a different motivation than you, mm. which means a more complex storytelling, right? It doesn't, right. they don't necessarily need to be good or bad, whatever that means. I mean, obviously, mm. Fatima is not entirely good or bad. Like, the government still, I mean, by the end of the book, they still hadn't solved inequality in their society. Right. Um, and so I, I liked that too. And I think what, the author did really well was give believable motivation um and believable detail enough to the characters that you saw them as fleshed out characters with their own Mm. thoughts and plans and you know it's like okay the angels make these plans and they make these contracts and they have an interest in keeping you know the gym from getting too powerful but they also have this other contract with this other being that they didn't mm. want to entirely get into and the gin you know they have this thing about the seal of solomon that they're that is you know they're everyone's looking right trying to protect their weaknesses while also um you know playing to their strengths same right. thing with humans same thing with everyone and i think that's a much more realistic um I'm- view of power yeah what's up I'm so happy you said that because my biggest thing with this book, and honestly, y'all, like, we have read a lot of amazing, amazing, amazing books on this show. Mm-hmm. This is one of those books that I'm like, this might be my favorite cast of characters in a book mm-hmm. we've read so far. And I'm, yeah. and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I'm, I'm not trying to fall into a re- recency bias, but like, this is oh, character good. writing. Like, it's yeah. just the, like, and what I love about it is, and because y'all know my pet peeve. I hate what I hate <laughs> when there is a character that is there for no reason. There's no, no reason. They're just in the story. Like, it felt like there was such a large cast, but everyone had a role. Everyone either came back or did something down to like Amina. Like, when they met, Amina, like, when Fatma met Amina at the, at the summit, I was like, okay, cool, like Amina, like woo woo woo. But then she was like the one that healed them at the very end. She was like with the uh, European leaders that like were also there too. And like mm-hmm. even I, you know, I'm thinking about like Siwa, who originally I was like, okay, like is he going to be this helpful? Like ends up coming up back and being super relevant. And like even down to fucking Fatma's. Okay, <laughs> so Fatma has a cat named Ramses that like. It, like it's just really cute and like just causes mischief and shit like whenever she's like at the apartment and like when she first took on the seal of solomon like the seal of solomon like looked like her cat like it just felt like every character was like brought in or like there was something to fully like 
bring them in such that like everyone felt relevant to the story and like how to actually get to the end. And I was just like, this is just so fucking lovely. I just, I just, and also too, I'm really glad that City was alive by the end. I definitely thought she was going to die and she almost died (laughs) twice. (laughs) Well, thrice technically. She came out in the end. (laughs) But she came out in the end and, and I was genuinely, I was listening to the audiobook and I was like, emotionally like oh my god if city dies i don't know what i'm gonna do i'm legit it's gonna actually fuck up my day if city dies right now in this battle with these ghouls like literally i was yeah so the characters i just just fan fucking tastic i just and you know my god to your point like it's not even i think people mistake that like a character has to have a big role to be a fleshed out character you don't have to have a big role what the author does really well is that it's the minute details that give them texture, right? Like the newspaper Mm. lady who's sitting in a tea bath. Like the fact that, I mean, what does that tell you? It tells you opulence. It tells you uh, disregard of resources. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, and her, her just like blatant dismissal of Siti and, and uh, Fatima, like that character doesn't come back, but you understand why when she drops all that news about the brotherhood, you understand why she would do that because she's the type of person who would. (laughs) And you get a sense of that from the description of her and the way she interacts with the other characters. And I think that's, that's what it is. Like when it comes to character writing, the author just makes all the characters very tangible and tactile, Mm. you know, when she's hanging out with, um, Asim and Osin and, and all of them and they're going into this, the, the tram to get to the um, Alexander Worthington's house you know there's this back and forth and the book is just funny that's the other thing like oh they're just, my god <laughs> it's just a funny well written quippy responses that really yes. gives the characters personality that's really fun and mm-hmm. Even Abigail, there's a point where Ab- where they're like, who's going to take the ring? And it's like, well, Siti's like, I'm out. And like Fatima and Hadi are looking at each other. And then Alex- <laughs> Abigail's like, me, give me the ring. And they all like, we collectively decided to ignore her. Right. <laughs> like, it was such a read. It's like, and I, I do want to point out, I think Abigail is a phenomenal villain. Period. Phenomenal. Period. She does not give up. The, she she from beginning to end, never in one moment does she apologize. She said she, when she's <laughs> sitting there and Fatima stutters for a second and hesitates, she's like, "Or oh, you could give the ring to me." Looks like the ring came back to me because this is mine. <laughs> like at no point when she's on that riding on that mechanical gym through the seats of Cairo, that woman does not give. She is Ursula levels of evil. She does not give a fuck, and it is brilliant. It is brilliant yes. because there's no backing down there's no like oh but actually she's like i'm evil (laughs) right (laughs) and i i it's just it's so much fun to have that when someone commit to the bit that strongly oh it's perfect i mean it's just like in wandavision with this with the villain and it's you just love it because it's very unapologetically what it is and i think sometimes you we take the agency away from female characters especially mm. white female characters where it's like there has to be some good female motivation behind it no right. <laughs> she's like i was raised in a colonizing society i'm a colonizer the men are just colonizing badly <laughs> i can right. do it better <laughs> Uh, is she wrong? Absolutely. But I just like the commitment to the bit. It's very human. It's very realistic. I appreciated it. I, I was going to... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I, just really no, quickly on Abigail. I could not agree more. I thought she was an amazing fucking villain. Love how, how she became weirdly like 
comedic relief at the end. Like I was just like, <laughs> like just Kiki at like how just ridiculous. It's like Abigail, just Abigail, give it up, just hang it up, up, Abigail. It's <laughs> over. God damn, like she would not let it go. And honestly, and there was a moment that I did enjoy when um right before they like erased her memories, like Fatma called Abigail insane for like her commitment. And then Abigail was like, why is it that like, you know, because of like, oh, God, I wish I had the quote. Um, Sorry, let me, let me. Yeah, like if a man this. had done it. I don't know. I kind of disagreed with that line. I kind of was like, I, Abigail, if it was on a lesser scale, I might agree with you. But I think you called up a mechanical gin and just got the nine kings in here. I think any insult someone threw at you, they would have thrown out a man. I'm not going to lie to Right, you. right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, definitely not with like the, I mean, certainly, but, I mean, there there might be more of that, yeah, inclination to to call a woman insane for these types of convictions. But like, to your point, I think anyone who, who went to such length, I think anyone would be like, bro, this is at least kind of like insane. <laughs> like, I think this is something that a lot of people would say. But yes, I did like how they were true. commenting on just in general, yes. like, right, the, the idea of calling someone crazy or insane, like, in in general, like, like leads to some sort of like, like, does carry with it a lot Has of a stigma, stigma, which to be yeah. fair, I was kind of like, Abigail, I like the teaching moment here. Not sure if you are the best <laughs> one to give it right. right now, but I can appreciate these sentiment. And then it brought, and then it brought back a memory of Fatima, like how one of her aunts, like I forgot what like mental illness she had, but basically like she, uh, like people always call her crazy too. And like, you know, she saw the effect that that had on her over time. And so it was kind of, again, just another moment of humanity. I was like, I just love these characters. Even yeah. Fatima's mom, who we never meet, like just has these like, quotes that'll play in Fatma's mind like in response to various situations that just like even though you know you have no idea who this woman is like just gives her so oh my god I love that I'm sorry I'm literally yeah, just diatribing you were about to say something <laughs> I wasn't gonna say oh yeah and then they they do point out that like um Abigail is is not insane she actively chose and made these choices and had all the agency of the world and is choosing to do this don't mistake moral You're just evil a monster. <laughs> for mental illness <laughs> And that's like a really good thing to point out. I did think it was a little heavy handed. So instead, I think they should have just taken out the word, the use of the word insane in the story because there was really no need for it to be there in the first place. Again, it's one of those things. And I love this book. But if you're going to point something out and give us a little summary on it, show, don't tell. So you could just not do it. Mm. And then you don't have to, you don't have to explain yourself later. But, um, but I did like that at least they couched it and like explained it, which was a positive um mm-hmm. i was gonna say oh yeah the gun thing i i no, the gun thing you can't read my notes audience i was gonna say the magic having its own socio-political arms race going on mm-hmm. like so it's like oh we gotta go get our <laughs> does our how does our magic stack yes. up against your magic and it's it's almost in a sense like a fossil fuel right like what's your country you know i'm sure at some point they're like measuring your magic index like <laughs> this country mm. has a very strong magic index and you know like it's the if it was in present times and i i just thought it, it so spoke to the human character to to take a resource and then try to see how they can use it for our very short-lived gain. Um, mm. And so it's like, instead of guns, which at this time, guns are, are exponentially advancing. And that's what's giving, that's part of what fueled colonization. That's also part of what fuels, you know, the 20th century, the atrocities of World War One and World War Two are those technological advancements. And in this world, instead of technology, it's magic. And watching a similar mentality play out in a different way just shows what happens when power gets distributed or redistributed in a different place at a different time 
and the conduit of what that power is all affects the conversation, but the human capacity to <laughs> exploit mm. that for evil <laughs> seems to remain consistent over time, at least in our imagination. So the question is, what if we had something that induced empathy? I don't know. Right. <laughs> I wish we did. But I just thought that was a really cool parallel storytelling right. thing. I, I completely agree. And I also love how it also pointed out just how sort of regionally specific fantasy mm-hmm. is like how and, and i think we talked about this in part one but just sort of this normative idea of like fantasy means el- elves and i don't know fucking uh, it, it, goblins or like whatever is <laughs> a fucking like mermaids you're, right you're right you're, you're like lay western fantasy and it just kind of demonstrates how all of that is just specific to like the cultural context that the author or the person crafting the narrative is approaching it from right like there's nothing mm-hmm. objective about one set of mythical beings that like speaks for the entire genre there's like it, it it it's fluid right and like there's there's a lot yes. of a lot of variants that, that can be um that can show up as well so that that's also something i loved as well oh, there agreed. was something about this book so as much as i do love this book there was a moment here that i was kind of like okay this is interesting so i wanted to visit revisit the piece after so in in part well i guess in, in aqua's part of the summary when you know when when uh Siti attacked Fatima and like, you know, there was a whole piece afterwards where she was like, oh my God, Siti tried to kill me. Like, what the fuck? Mm. Like, what just happened? And then like, they end up like making up that, uh, that same night. And, you know, Siti explains like, oh, it's because like I'm half, uh, half gin. And like, you know, I was being taken control. Like basically I was like, it, I was, I wasn't in my, like the, the, the Al-Jahiz was like taking control over my body. So two things with that. One, I, I liked the forgiveness arc. I did feel like it was a little fast. Did think it was a little quick. I was like, like the same night. I just, I don't know. I feel like we could have maybe given that a little bit more breathing room to give Fatma time to like process. I also felt like, and, th- and I don't know, maybe this this might be me reading too much into it because I don't want to put something needlessly severe on top. But like, I fear that someone could read that piece and see it as like forgiving, like an abuser in a relationship. Like that's something that kind of called to me during that piece um, with sort of how, and, and granted to be fair, the, the the piece that makes me think, okay, maybe I'm, I might be reading too much into it is because Sissy truly was like, not like, like she was literally like under Alajatiz's control. Like she, like she did not do this of her own volition, but um, just, just the, the intersecting piece there with the fact that they are in a you know romantic relationship, like yeah. that I, I feel like there is some intimate partner violence pieces where like, I'm just like tonally, I, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I see, I see what we're doing here. I see that there's a nuanced difference here. However, that is one concern I would have if someone were to read a section like that. Right. And yeah. even the idea of City saying like, you know, I wasn't in my like, regular state of mind that's why i did this you know like i i feel like there's some parallels i'm kind of like okay 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 interesting so that's just something that did kind of call my attention when i read that part oh Um, i completely agree i think you're exactly correct (laughs) okay okay (laughs) yeah i i got that same thing i was when i was reading i was like yeah the problem here is thoughts but i'm not sure if the lying about being a djinn is my biggest concern here my the my concern here is is yeah the violence and the djinn Mm. you being her city's loss of agency that caused violence like that to me is a very terrifying situation there right and I agree it like her I think there needed to be more time not for her to 
to like decide if she's okay with her being a gin, but to like work out the emotional trauma of having your girlfriend yeah. choke you in, in, in the middle of a battle. Mm-hmm. I did like, and I, I was kind of worried about that. There is a point where Hadia like meets City and she's like, you know, I don't know about you because I'm seeing these marks on her neck and that's worrying me. And she's basically like, Hadia's basically like, I'll fuck you up. Like, if no, this is what period. I think <laughs> And I think that's the (laughs) she and Hadia would. And I think that you make a really good point. You know, it's it's in okay. So in the story, there's you know a master of the jinn who's taking away agency and controlling. Same thing with Zargos. In real life, there is no master of the jinn Mm, (laughs) taking over people and controlling them. So this is there is really zero excuse for someone to put their hands on anyone. This is not it is not an up for negotiation. It's not a question. Partner domestic violence we don't play. It's not mm-hmm. a joke. It's not funny. We don't think the book in any way try to take in that direction, but this is just for people right. who are younger readers Definitely. and sometimes especially when you're younger read hell, you're older, who cares? Sometimes when you're mm-hmm. reading, you know, things just slip and sometimes you just need that voice in the room that's like, but in real life this is not okay. And that's what me right. and Marcy are doing right now. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. But good call. Thank you for pointing mm. that out, Marcy. Of course. Thank you, Akko. That was very validating. Um, but yes. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, aside from that piece, yeah, on, I mean, I really don't have much to... Oh, I will say this. Um, so something else I also really enjoyed about this part is that... So so the difference between, I guess, part two for me versus part one was that, like, part two, I just listened to the audiobook. I didn't even, like, read the text. Like, I just listened mm. to the audiobook, which... We talk about the humor. It was so funny because I was like, <laughs> I, I, it, it made it so, I mean, I'm also just very new to audiobooks. I'm sure everyone's like, yes, and water is wet. Of course, audiobooks are great. Like, like they, welcome <laughs> to the fucking club, bitch. Like, goddamn. But like, it just made for so much of a, of a much more immersive experience. And I feel like the humor, the timing of the person who, I, I wish I remembered her name, but like the person that was narrating the story, it was just like, like the comedic timing was like just really fantastic and i would literally i was it felt like i was listening to a podcast like i was just like kiki and like like i, like mm. I was listening to the read or something <laughs> like i was like this is so good so i uh, just wanted to also say that the audiobook version of this book is also really good if if, if that's Ooh, nice. a, uh, a version that folks are more inclined to listen to oh nice uh i'm glad that you're that you've been moved to the uh audiobook i don't know side <laughs> it's glad just convinced you. it is and sometimes it's just nice. Sometimes you just want to sit in your commute or taking a walk and listen to someone. It's very soothing. Very soothing. Yeah, agreed. Last thing I went to point, there were some really good quotes in here that I like. One I feel like came from my life specifically, but um, oh yes, one <laughs> one that was really beautiful was when Fatima holds up the the pin on City's dress. And she goes, something like a consciousness came back into her eyes, not ancient, but ageless, as if Oof. it's in the stars born and burned away. I was like, whoo, ah, my guy, that's a line. <laughs> like, Very romantic. This- I appreciate it. <laughs> Wasn't there something else about like a speck being observed by like a whole desert or some shit? I feel like yeah. I, that, that line took me to like another planet. Like I was like, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> Oh, that, yeah, that whole, you felt the way that those, and you just, you felt in that moment, I was like, man, I kind of want to be a goddess like that. Like, if there is like, mm. if there's an after this where you get to decide what your your upgrade character is, like, let me be that for a little bit. It sounds <laughs> kind of magical. I was like, can she come back? 
Um, so I really like that. I like the line. It, it's when um, Fatima is talking to Zargos about how he's been trying so hard to get this appearance of being very calm because of his lineage on his mother's side. And she says, it's a terrible thing, the politics of being perceived as respectable, to be forced to view your frailties through the eyes of others. And I was like, that is such a brilliant way to mm. to dissect and criticize. Yes, criticize respectability. It is reducing someone to their frailties, whatever those are, and then looking at those frailties through the lens of diminishment and oppression so that anything that they do that is quote-unquote weak or not perfect or not wondrous is look through these lens of those people, that type. Of course they mm. would. And it's so diminishing, and I, I love that. And then the last thing, which I feel like was gay for me in particular, <laughs> the author didn't know this, was there's a point where they're sitting in the coffee shop and Fatima is like observing the spectators and she's like, the woman with stylish black dresses and bright white hijabs. Oh my God. They threw around words like post-neo-pharaonic and epistemologies of alchemic modernity. And I was like, oh, is it me? Is Akko sitting in a coffee shop in Cairo drinking Ethiopian coffee talking about epistemologies? <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> and didn't the quote go on to call them weird? <laughs> like, yes, it did. <laughs> and I was like, low key, that's, I have no, I, I like literally stopped reading the book and was like, well, I feel seen. <laughs> and, but anyway. Right. Oh my God. I love, I love those quotes so much. I'm trying to think if I have a quote. I, I'm, I can't find the exact I found one of the quotes, but I can't find the other one. But basically, in the conversation with the Marie, there was a moment where, like, uh, the Marie was just hella fucking shady, like, just shady as fuck. And, like, um, there was a a moment where, like, (laughs) like, like, Fatma was saying something and the Marie, like, waved his hand and, like, the narration was, like, oh, like, the Marie waved off Fatma the way you might do some unruly child or dog. And then at one point, like, Fatma, like, was trying to give the Marie context on, like, what was going on. And, like, (laughs) the Marie said... (laughs) the marie waved her off um i understand how magical contractual bindings work mortal please do not insult me by trying to explain it (laughs) by trying to explain it (laughs) with your inarticulate speech it is just like why are you so rude like why are you like who hurts you like what is wrong with you like honestly (laughs) it's just yeah this book y'all funny as hell i feel like y'all can't get the full grasp from like what we've talked about but like just it's so fucking funny y'all please do yourselves a favor but yeah, I, I can't hilarious. sing this book's phrases enough. Yeah, it's a brilliant book. That's exactly it. I think we're in a we're both in agreement. This book is really, really phenomenal. And there's actually more in the series. And there's like an offshoot, which one with just Hamid. And it might have been the first one, <gasps> which might be why this role is so lived in. That's why the reference where like Hamid was like, oh, hey, City. And they're like, how do y'all know each other? Like, oh, we did this thing. Like, <laughs> it was just oh. a throwback to another book. Yeah. So I'm interested in reading more. I, I think these books are phenomenal and I I highly recommend them. And if you want to tell us how about how you really enjoyed this book or if you have any suggestions at us at the color pages on Twitter and at these color pages on our Instagram or you can email us at these color pages at gmail.com. Not to mention, I know this is a surprise to everyone. We have a website. It's really cute. You like push a little button. It's like, come in, join the adventure. Boop, boop, boop. 
you know? A little boop, boop, boop. That's exactly it. <laughs> it's thesecolorpages.com. Check us out. See what is on our link tree. We have a link tree. We, we have one of those. Yeah. 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 <laughs> link in the description. And yes, if this show brought you any love, light, delight, mm, yes, please feel free to leave us some love wherever you are listening to this podcast. Could be Apple Podcasts or not. Could be, you know, Spotify, SoundCloud, or actually mm. not SoundCloud. We ain't no SoundCloud. Tune in, <laughs> Stitcher, whatever the case may be. Leave us some love wherever you are doing the listening. Also, leave us a little rating, a little review. You know, we we she loves five stars. You know what I mean? Like, we really love a five-star moment. So, like, if that is your experience, please, by all means, absolutely, mm. we invite it. We, we, we truly welcome it. And if you like this episode enough and you're, you know, you're just thinking about someone in your life who could really benefit from this episode, who could really just benefit from the fucking hilarity, the amazing cast of characters, Abigail Worthington's villainous arc, just whatever this, whatever came to you from listening to this episode, feel free to just share the link to this episode with this person in your life and just proceed to throw your phone into the abyss because that is really going to help us to grow our show and become even better and even more colorful. Now, I will also say that next time we'll be getting into (laughs) we're going to be reading some Baldwin for the first time on the Color Pages Book Club. So I am beyond yes, it is. It's it's finally happening. I'm surprised it took this long, but here we are. So I am f- I am so excited to uh, to announce that we'll be talking about part one of Just Above My Head by James Baldwin. Also, yes. shout out to Malavika from your favorite book podcast. You want to hear us talk about Ooh. Baldwin on her podcast? Link in the description. Anywho, Akko, between <laughs> now and then, are there any other things we should leave our listeners with before we head out? Yeah, just remember to take care of yourselves, y'all. Just take care and and be well and That's until real. we see you next time remember to stay, stay colorful, colorful.